What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Reports, College Football, and NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, and because it's Monday morning, y'all know what that means. We got a trifecta going. Mello is in the office. What's up, buddy? We're back. We're back. That's what's happening. We are back. And I don't even mean stick to football. I mean Texas is back, and that's good for college football. That's good for this show because it puts me in a good mood. We are back. The house was rocking Saturday. And Connor, our man, was in South Beach, uh, quote, working, working, air quotes. That's right. And I was streaming the Texas game in the press box because – that shit was awesome, and it's been a little quiet after Baker Mayfield tweeted at a recruit that was now on the team last year. So uh, great for Texas. College football is better when, and I know there's a lot of haters, and I totally get it, but when Texas is good, when Notre Dame is good, that's good for college football. I, I thought we were going to, we'll get into the Texas stuff. We got a little housekeeping to do. We're going to get there. It's going to be a fun show. $100 handshakes are back. Our Heisman top five list with some newcomers because shit got real on Saturday. So some people coming on the list, some people getting off the list. And then we'll do our draft on draft questions. Uh, housekeeping real quick. I wanted to, I was telling Mel before the show, and you know what? This is my podcast, so I'm going to use this platform to push my charity. I'm raising money to buy coats and warm clothes for kids. This is something I've, this is the fifth year doing it. If you want to help out and you're listening to this, you can just send a dollar on Venmo if you want. My Venmo's NFL Draft Scout. I'll also be auctioning off stuff uh, throughout the month of November and December to, to try to get those coats for kids. So help out with that if you can, or just spread the word. That always helps. Second thing, fellas, it's Sunday night we're recording. Thursday night, Mello and I begin the trek south to Baton Rouge. Connor pretty much starts Thursday night to get on a flight down. We will be tailgating uh, at the Patrick F. Taylor Hall at LSU bright and fucking early Saturday at 8 a.m. I'm going to put the F in Patrick F. Taylor Hall. That's (laughs) what I'm going to do when we tailgate on Saturday. (laughs) It's going to be a blast. Please come by. We want to meet you guys. We don't expect you to stay for the whole six hours, but we're going to be there for the whole six hours. We're going to record the show. We're going to drink. You know we're going to drink. Maybe get a 77-pack of Natty if we can find them and hand out stick to football merch. Uh, we're taking questions from you guys, just having a good time. We want to meet y'all. So that's what we have going on. And then we got our boy Roger doing the Rogers report. <laughs> you know, this is what we have to call it from the road. So I want to know Connor of all the places you've been on the road. How great is South beach? Oh, it's awesome. This was my third time in the last two and a half years. I've been down there. Uh, obviously I, I have some friends down there and going down for a Canes game is great. It's just a great town. It's, I mean, it's beautiful, number one. It's a little hot still in October. I mean, it was like, guys, it was like 89 and humid down there in October. And October is really the only good weather month in New York. So it's it's a little <laughs> dumb of me to leave at that time. But it's so fun, man. And I got to say, uh, at Hard Rock Stadium, the Canes fan environment, now that the team is good again, is unreal. I mean, at kickoff, the stadium is packed out. The parking lot is mayhem. And it's a different kind of mayhem. Like, you have your big pickup trucks lined up, but they're dancing on the bed to rap music and going crazy. It, it was a really cool. It's cool to see different college football environments going from Fort Worth last weekend to, uh, you know, down in Miami this weekend. And we're going to be in Baton Rouge, like you said, turning up at 8 a.m., getting ready to go. And honestly, it was a great football game. Florida State, Miami, great rivalry. It was a great game. And I got a lot of players to talk about a lot of hundred dollar handshakes down in Miami. It's more than a hundred bucks, but I got a <laughs> right. couple of those to hand out. That's not getting. That's a shot of Patron on South Beach. Uh, we are going to do hundred dollar handshakes, and whew, I want to start with so many people 
Tom Herman for being the savior of Texas is football. Is this like an acceptance oh speech? It is. Yes. I have so many people I want to thank. Tom Herman for calling a great game. Todd Orlando for giving up a lot of points. But when it mattered, the Texas defense stood up. So many players, whether it's P.J. Locke having a very good game, uh, Brandon Jones, a little bit uneven, but made plays when it counted. I thought Charles Minahue had his best game he's ever had as a Texas Longhorn. That entire unit, Gary Johnson doing a great job spying Kyler Murray. Sam Ellinger, though, holy shit, this kid. We've been waiting a couple for touchdowns. This. He had a couple Five touchdowns. Five freaking touchdowns against Oklahoma. Hook those horns. Great performance. I don't care what you think of him as a pro prospect. I don't care what you think of him as a college football player. That puts him in like the Texas Longhorn record book, or, or at least he's always going to have that moment in time. He deserves, like Connor said, more than $100. And then I think the greatest nickname in college football, Dicker the Kicker, yeah. going clutch. This kicker's got some swag, too, for like a freshman. They showed him on the sideline like right before, and he's like smiling at the camera, giving it the, hey, what's up? And I mean, he came out and he nailed the kick just like he had to. And I don't know, like, I don't think, Connor, I saw you tweeting us, you and our buddy Adam Heisler, like, what would it be like if TR was getting it like in our house Saturday and I we had like my kids, Mello's kids, my girlfriend's kids, and I'm screaming at the TV like every time something happens. One of the kids is going to school tomorrow yelling "fuck Oklahoma." It's gonna happen. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> gonna happen. It's probably gonna be one of my kids because they have a mouth on them anyway. Go figure. Yeah. But definitely somebody's going to school, and the next time they get mad or excited, they're gonna drop a "fuck Oklahoma." <laughs> and I'm on board with it. I don't even care. Like as a parent, whatever. I'm not getting on to you for that. Yeah, no, that's cool. So my hundred dollar handshakes. I would just be making it rain in that Texas locker room, throwing out hundies. Uh, get me get me a booster and let's go. And I'm with you too because even Connor alluded to it in the, the beginning of our show. I'm going with college football deserves a $100 handshake because it is so much better when Texas and Notre Dame and schools like that are good. And we have both of them, surprisingly to me, ranked in the top 10 this year. I didn't have either one of these teams in our beginning of the year Same. top 25. And now they are both top 10 ranked teams, and it's just better. It's exciting, not just for us as Texas fans, but just for football, because you either hate Texas or you love them. I don't think you can be on the fence. You either root for them or you're against them, and they are very successful this year. I just Before we get to Connors, because I know he has a lot, I just want to throw one thing out there. Texas is ranked 9. West Virginia is ranked 6, I believe, as of today. Yes, they play in just a couple of weeks. As long as Texas doesn't, shit the bet against Baylor or Oklahoma State. We could be looking at West Virginia versus Texas for the Big 12. Yeah, and we I said it, I think, last week. I thought that West Virginia and Oklahoma would kind of be like a pre-Big 12 championship game, and now we're going to get West Virginia at Texas, who will be another top 10 battle on November 3rd. So we'll, I think Texas is way better, way better. I do like. I think, I think yeah. they are too. They're much more consistent on defense. They can. Right. They show up when they need to, and their defensive backs are nasty this year. They can actually play. I know that we had a couple guys get drafted, but they gave up a lot of big plays, and they did not make a lot of tackles last year. And that was not the case this Saturday. I think they've taken on the attitude of a freshman like Caden Stearns too. I mean, I know there's guys that are in bigger leadership roles there, but the way he plays seems to kind of reflect and bring a different vibe. So it's been fun to watch Texas secondary and really the whole team. Ellinger shown a little bit of that clutch factor, which was the difference in this game. 
Uh, I'll do Miami first, and then when we wrap back around, I'll do Florida State. Got to go with the winning team first. Give the turnover chain some love. Starting with Joe Jackson and the the combo of Joe Jackson and Michael Jackson for this Miami team. These guys, their motor just runs so hot. You talk about Jackson up front. Do I think he's the most explosive, most athletic, most technically sound player? Not even close, but you talk about a guy that kept winning against the offensive line, a Florida State offensive line that has had problems all year. He showed up. He made plays. He had multiple sacks. He created turnovers. And in the fourth quarter, that motor was still running hot. So loved what I saw from Joe Jackson. What a lot of people, and this is one of the great benefits of being at the game, can't see is the secondary. Michael Jackson, big physical corner, will beat you up at the line of scrimmage, will beat you up within five, ten yards and make a play on the ball. He's got the height. He's got the length. I was he was a guy I was going in and had a lot of questions and not good or bad. Just curious because I haven't seen a ton of him play. I thought he showed up and did a really good job. The last one for the Canes, you know, really sad news with Amon Richards football career coming to an end. An absolutely great player. His teammate in the same room, Jeff Thomas, wide receiver, made plays. This was somebody that in the loss to LSU made plays in this win against Florida State. He made plays for the redshirt freshman quarterback. So a great second half for the Canes. I loved what I saw from their defense, but I got to give some love to Jeff Thomas, the sophomore wide receiver as well. Love it, man. So next up for me, uh, Dwayne Haskins. You guys know who he is. Quarterback, Ohio State, continuing to do ridiculous things. And I know they play in Indiana. Not the toughest. And and people are going to say that about Tua at Alabama. These guys are not playing tough schedules week in and week out. But all you can do play the team in front of you, and he continues to make great plays. He does things that would be hard to do even against air. So let's not even talk about who he's playing. 33 of 44 for 455 and six touchdowns against Indiana. Give that man $100. And, yeah, and it's a conference opponent. So it's not yeah. like it's one of the, the Citadel. You know what we need? We need Whiskey Dan to put a, like a cha-ching, like a cash register sound. Like <laughs> yes, a, every time. Cha-ching. Yeah, put it in. Or just record me doing it, cha-ching, and put it in. Maybe just every time we say it, you do it. I'll do it if you want. And you then you can just all. put it in for years. You know my ADD is so bad that I won't remember to do it, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm with you with Haskins, but I'm going to go with my next guy, Dexter Williams. Cha-ching! Out of Notre Dame. The running back, I've been doubting Notre Dame all year, and we talk about it all the time, but he showed up 178 yards and three touchdowns against what is it? still a pretty decent Virginia Tech defense. Broke one off for 97 yards. I like his physical running ability, and Notre Dame just keeps finding guys to come in there and run the football for them. So it just every week, $100 to another Notre Dame rusher this week. It's Dexter Williams. Yeah, that offense is really clicking. Now that you have a guy like Book that's a little bigger of a threat or more consistent as a passer, you're seeing the the trickle effect of the run game. So I, I love that $100 handshake. To close mine out on the other side of the ball, the losing team in a great effort, Florida State. Uh, you know, two guys on well, I want to get to right away that made a lot of plays in different ways. Marion Terry, the big young wide receiver, he went up and snatched the ball out of the air multiple times to help out Francois, who took a beating again in this game and in his own right, held the ball too long and was just late on throws. So up and down for Francois. Terry is someone that Seminoles fans should be excited about for the future of this offense. DJ Matthews, a, a return specialist in a way he does play offense, but as a punt returner, I think this guy is special. When you see it there, the patience and the vision to set up his return ability. He was fantastic. And I got to give the defense some love 
Brian Burns, we're going to talk about him as a pro prospect where I do think there are significant questions in his transition to the pro game. That doesn't mean he can't be an effective pass rusher. He might just be a little more limited than your classic projected round one or two guys. But as a college player, he was too quick off the snap and just he got around the tackle time and time again. He turned that corner and had the strip sack, had a lot of pressures. He kept generating pressure on the young Miami quarterback. He's been the most consistent player I think I've seen for Florida State all year. And I think his NFL projection is going to be a lot of fun these next couple months. Yeah, he is someone that we're definitely going to talk a lot about as we get closer into it. Is he Marcus Davenport? Is he Jason Taylor? Or is he Barkevius Mingo? Like that is definitely trying to figure out who is this guy? uh, What what does he actually bring to the table? So I'm glad that you uh, got a chance to see him in person because that is uh, a big part of it. I was going to give my last $100 handshake to a local boy, Alex Barnes from Pittsburgh High School. Starts for K-State. He went off for 250 rushing this weekend and three touchdowns. So kudos to him. It was against Baylor, and they lost to Baylor. So it's hard to give that $100 handshake there. I'm going to go to Montez Sweat. Uh, Mississippi State, Melo and I got to watch a little of this game against Auburn. And, and he continues to be one of the best pass rushers, especially one of the best edge rushers in college football. Another guy who's, yes, he's kind of long and lean, 6'6", 245, but just makes plays. And, and we saw it off the edge consistently. I love him as a, a what I'm seeing from his first step quickness. Yeah, you wonder, can he get off blocks and things as a prospect? But as a college football player, I mean, we're probably talking about an All-American type guy. So Montez Sweat gets my last 100 bucks. And I'm going to stick with that same game right there. I'm going to go with Nick's, Nick Fitzgerald. You break Tim Tebow's SEC quarterback rushing record, you got to get yourself $100 for that. So Nick, Nick Fitz, Fitzgerald, if I could say his name, say. I think he might even have to do some position switching once he gets to the NFL. But I love the way that the dude plays college football. He gets in there, he's not afraid to put his nose down, and he's coming off a terrible, terrible injury. And he hasn't hesitated at all to hit the hole. Great performance by him, and they upset the number nine Auburn Auburn Tigers this week. So kudos to him, $100 for you, sir. All right, we are back, and it's Heisman time. Still don't have a vote. Just want to throw that out there. Still no vote. Waiting on that vote. <laughs> Would love it. I mean, I've I've accidentally said the address on the podcast before. You guys Maybe know where should. to send it. Maybe we should check the mail. Maybe they I don't have know where sent it goes. It. Actually, <laughs> I don't have a mailbox, so. Maybe they could email me. Uh, let's get into our Heisman list because we do have some changes this week. Again, I do not have five players on my list. Mello, do you? I do not have five players on my list either. So, Connor, who continues to roll out five players, buddy, take it away. <laughs> it's my brand. I have to do it no matter how bad the fifth you player is. You tried defense and for Heisman, and now you're just, I'm putting I'm, five guys on there. I am reaching, and this one is quite the reach. I will admit that. Number five, Ian Book. I really just wanted to give him some love. Notre Dame, and I, you guys know how much I love Brandon Wimbush. Coming out of New Jersey, the potential with his legs and the arm. This offense just looks different with Ian Book. It's just more consistent. He's been a really good passer for them. And if my argument here, and this is what I've been trying to do, is give you a different spin for the fifth spot every week, is that if Notre Dame goes undefeated with Ian Book, and his numbers are pretty good, which they've been, he deserves to at least be at the ceremony. That's my point in putting him at the fifth spot. And why I think if you're looking for the biggest dark horse in the country to be there when they give out the award, this is the guy. Yeah, I I love it. And I just want to say once again, Notre Dame fans, I was wrong. And you know, Connor, he's 
had two very good games the last two games against very good teams, Stanford and Virginia Tech and primetime. So he is a guy that has he's been on the stage. So if he keeps performing and they want to throw in their fifth guy, I think you're right. I think he could get himself at least invited to New York. Yeah, for sure. Uh, new to my list, Will Greer's out. He threw three picks in the in the red zone. Uh, not good. And there were a couple more that could have gone that way. He only throws to David Sills, and that's a problem. I, I, I like Will Greer. He's a very good college quarterback. Not on my list. Number four on my list is slinging Sammy Ellinger. Five touchdowns against Oklahoma. You win the Red River shootout. You get on my list. And you bring Texas back to a top We're 10 back. ranking. You have to be like at least considered, right? At least for so, this week. You're back. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm going to actually, for me, I'm going with Will Greer, although I don't think he even has a chance anymore. No. <laughs> I think he's just a guy that could get invited. Like he is out of the running for it. Almost like a, a career achievement. Like recognition. Yeah, I mean, it's like last year, Bryce Love went. He wasn't going to win it, but he got to go. That's what Will Greer is. He gets to go. Enjoy your time in New York. You won't be near that trophy. Man, I I like this now. We're being honest. We're saying this guy will not win, but we need to fill out a top five. So this is me making a push to Matt. You're putting someone in the fifth spot. I don't care if it's a punter or a kicker next week. We're making you do it. Just make a joke out of it. All right, number four for me. You guys will appreciate this one as he has fallen from number one. Kyler Murray, uh, fun player, super fast, great arm. See you on the baseball field in the major leagues in about three years. But at the end of the day, I mean, these losses matter, guys. He yeah. had the competitive game against Army. He loses against the, you know, the Hook'em Horns. I just see this is a fall for him. It you it's so hard to keep up with what Tua and Haskins are doing right now that the slightest things can bump you down. And that's what happened to Murray, unfortunately. Yeah. So I, I also moved Kyler Murray down to number three. And I tweeted this Saturday during the game. And I'm sure people think, oh, like, fuck you, Texas Homer. No, you can't throw a pick, a bad pick and also have a fumble in the marquee game of your season. It's going to hurt you with voters who might only watch that game. They're not going to watch you beat Baylor by 60 points. They're not going to watch you play Kansas. They're watching Oklahoma, Texas. And those things do affect voter mentality. It also affects mine. And the the weird thing about Kyler Murray is he still had what you could call Heisman moment. He still ripped off like a 67-yard run. Four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. And he put his team back in the game. So no slight to him, but... If we're talking about this realistically, a game like that does affect him. So I moved him down to number three. And just like you said, Connor, this is what I I tweeted Saturday. What Tua is doing in Alabama and even what Dwayne Haskins is doing at Ohio State, put your margin for error as a Heisman candidate at zero. Like You can't have a bad week. That's it. You can't fuck up. And Murray had some bad plays in big spots. Yeah, he didn't he didn't perform very well. And that's why he's still he's on my list. Number three as well. But he's falling, and he's another guy that I think he might be out of the running. I just don't see guys like Tua or Haskins struggling, and he has the past two games. You can't put up 28 points against Army. I don't care what you do. Your offense can't do that. You can't lose to Texas like you did with the two turnovers. So I think you even have to start to ask the question, is he a system quarterback? Well, just don't ask any scouts because then you're going to have short, chubby quarterbacks coming at you on Twitter. So we don't need that happening. Oh, God, Jesus. <laughs> Congrats on the win today, though. Yeah, it looked pretty good. All right. I guess it's I'll bring it back to me and we'll 
We'll settle everything down here, boys. <laughs> All right. I'm really happy about this one, honestly, because I had him as the, the famous number five spot last week, and he's a legitimate number three right now for me. Travis Etienne, I, I feel bad right now. I forget the Clemson fan that tweeted at me and was like, now you have even more reason to keep him on the list. Man, he's getting it done. Uh, you know, 167 yards. He's rushed for well over 100 yards in the last four games. He looks really good doing it. He averaged 17 yards per carry this weekend, guys. So he gets the number three spot because he's on a really good team. And yes, they blew out Wake Forest, but he can help Trevor Lawrence ease into the big games. I I love what this guy's doing. I can't just have this be the quarterback contender race every single week. So Travis Etienne, welcome to the number three spot. I hope you stay there the rest of the year. I like we'll it. Keep moving up. I like it. His last four games, he's went for 120 plus in all of them. The last two games, he scored three touchdowns apiece. So he's definitely working his way up there. And Clemson will have some good marquee games that are going to be on primetime. So I'm with you there, Connor. The more Trevor Lawrence gets hurt, the better it is for Travis Etienne's Heisman from Kansas City. So every time he goes out, he goes off. So uh, numbers two and one, we can just talk about them together. Because Dwayne Haskins, I mentioned in the $100 handshake portion, is doing ridiculous things. I mean, he's putting up remarkable numbers. And really, I mean, that's a good offense. They have pro receivers. They have two running backs that are going to be pro guys. They're good. But he is like the the cog in the wheel that just makes everything turn. And, and he's able to do so many different things as a runner, as a passer. The whole offense just flows through him beautifully. Dwayne Haskins deserves a lot of credit. Tua, man, he only had to throw the ball 13 times against Arkansas. And it's, it's just unreal what they're able to do my only concern with Tua at Alabama is he's not going to have the numbers because he's not playing in games I mean he's he only has 20 touchdowns on the year and it's because we're just we're not seeing him get into to the fourth quarter where they have to throw a bunch to come back and make plays but I can't think of anyone in college football who's doing the things Tua is doing if you want a college football version of Pat Mahomes it's Tua I, I like that. And obviously, Perfect. I have the same guys, Haskins, two, two, a one. And I think they're really the only two guys that are left in the running. I think they have what it takes to make that push there towards the end. They've got great games coming up. I'm waiting for Alabama to be tested. I want to see what Tua can do when he actually has to play like a, a really good defense. And I hope he gets to see one this year. I don't even know if he will. But I want to see him perform in a big game. We saw him do it in the national championship game, but I want to see it out of him this year. And I think he'll go off. I think he'll dominate and throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Oh yeah. This is, it's the same thing for me. I got no surprises or any tricks up my sleeve here. It's Haskins number two <laughs> to a number one. It's so wild to me that it's really come down to these two guys. And when you look at it, like Haskins has a little dent in the armor. He's thrown four picks and who cares, right? Big deal. He's also, you know, thrown 25 touchdowns, but, and they've won every game like Alabama Two has been perfect, literally perfect. 18 touchdowns, no picks doesn't even play the full game ever. Never needs to, because like you guys just said, like Melo said, we haven't seen a competitive game yet. And he's just been flawless. His rating, the CFB rating, which is different was almost 400. Oh, it's just whatever that even means. Yeah. How do you even even figure that up? It's ridiculous what he's able to do. It's it's hilarious is what it is. I mean, there are games, it feels like there are plenty of games where he throws more touchdowns than incompletions. 
It just happened against <laughs> yeah, Arkansas. Yeah, he just did it. Three incompletions, four touchdowns. Louisiana, no incompletions, none, two touchdowns. It just keeps happening where you're sitting there and you're like, this is ridiculous. It's flawless football. And if this is how it's going to be, which I personally think it is, I don't think we're getting any surprises against Alabama this year. Two has won the Heisman. And it's the second week of October. Yeah, I agree with you, too. Uh, the one time they did play a fairly good team, it was Texas A&M. And Alabama still put up 45 points on them. That's their lowest point total this whole year is 45 points. It's ridiculous what they're doing on offense. And we're talking about Alabama, not Texas Tech. Not Hawaii, not right, Oregon. Right. Alabama is putting 45 on people. And uh, I can't remember who asked us. Maybe it was my daughter. It was like, uh, are the Patriots, like, is Alabama basically like the Patriots of college football? Mello was like, oh, they're better. No, it's worse. <laughs> like, they're a lot better. It's ridiculous. I've never seen anything like it. Even though you talk about, you know, the early Miami teams or the Texas team that won the Rose Bowl. They didn't dominate like what we're seeing Alabama do. The best matchup we might see all year would be Alabama's offense versus Alabama's defense. I would rather watch them practice than go watch Alabama kick the shit out of anyone else this weekend. All right, folks, it's draft on draft time. I'm I'm not cracking a beer tonight because I'm actually uh I'm actually starting a little diet tomorrow. So <laughs> my diet starts oh, Monday too. Yeah. No, yeah, mine well, really my diet does. that every day for eight years. Mine really does. If anybody, <laughs> my diet this weekend was guaro, which is uh, some Latin liquor. So I'm not having a beer tonight either because I need a break before LSU. Yeah, I, that, that also sounds. also that. So anyone has any tips for me to drop some of these LBs? I'm gonna stop just stop eating, asshole. I'm not gonna <laughs> drink all week and try to lower my tolerance so that I can just get shitty Same. at LSU. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should have started that a long time ago. Probably because uh, it's getting yeah, out it's of a little hand. late. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. All right, let's let's get into this. You guys dominated it on Reddit this week, so that's where I went for the questions. Uh, Eno Lil, I guess is how we're saying. I don't know. You guys know I'm great with names. <laughs> it's so bad how I am with names that I had to do a voiceover this week and Connor sent me pronunciations of names. <laughs> yeah, I did. Like, Before he asked. <laughs> he just, just do a Palamalu. Yeah. We'll never get that great. one. All right. Is Miles Boykin on anyone's radar as an NFL prospect? He's been a huge beneficiary of Ian Book taking over at Notre Dame. He's been on mine. Yeah, I loved him going in. He's a very big receiver, and they haven't been able to throw the ball. So this guy's yeah. right with his draft on draft question. Ian Book has been huge for him, and I think vice versa, too. Like, they're just a good pairing, and they can just throw the ball up to him. He's going to go get it. I mean, last two games, he has 19 catches and about 275 yards with three touchdowns. Before that, he was like a, kind of an afterthought other than that Ball State game. So I remember having yeah, this totally. conversation over the summer with a scout about, or, or not over the summer, uh, over the spring about uh, Equinemia St. Brown. And he was like, I don't know how you scout this guy. His quarterback sucks. Like, how you can't see what he can do. So that was with Wimbush. Now you have Ian Book in there, and it, it does make it a much cleaner eval for a lot of these receivers. And St. Brown had three catches for 89 yards against Detroit. So, it, I mean, for a late day three pick, you just never know. And I think with Boykin, it's interesting because, yes, he's a senior, and, yeah, he only had 253 yards last year. He just wasn't effective at all. There were guys at Notre Dame ready to take over for the players that were drafted. And they are making the most of that now with Ian Book. You're seeing it. I think the offensive line had a lot of players ready to fill in for McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson. And I think Boykin, you know, is he a star? No, but six foot four, 230 pounds, big target. He's a legitimate weapon for the Irish offense right now. Yeah, absolutely is. And man, they are fun to watch. Like Melo said with his $100 handshake, the run game has been good. They are, they're a blast to watch. I'm, I'm really regretting we're not getting to South Bend this year to see them play. 
Yeah, well, if we would have been a little bit better at our jobs, we would have <laughs> right? realized how good they were. Maybe we can add a trip. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Bowl games. Yeah, we'll let's go to a bowl game. There we go. Uh, Patrick Chamberlain sent in two questions. Just a reminder, you can do that. You, <laughs> there's Brendan Albert sent in like eight on Thursday. No, so. no, no. He, I submitted eight. He sent yeah. in 16, and I'm like, not Ooh. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe the mellow 16, filter. But you can send in a couple. Can nope. you imagine how bad the question has to be if I filter it out? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty bad. Uh, all right. Uh, he wants to know, you guys have frequently discussed the college football teams who have the best uniforms, but who's your vote for the team with the worst uniforms in college football? <laughs> Oklahoma. Oh, <man>. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wow, I that was that fast. I would need to think about this one. I. Go ahead. One that comes to mind for me is actually it's Notre Dame. I get like what they do with the helmets and everything. I hate the color of the pants. I don't know what kind of gold that is. And just put the name on the back of their jerseys. The no Help name, me out here. The no name thing bothers me a lot. So I actually hate Oregon when they don't just like wear their normal shit, right? Like when it's just when they all the different colors and everything, like just pick a uniform and wear it. So I'm old school about that. Um, and then I, I really don't like Louisville. Like when they went to like yeah. the script stuff, I really don't like that. I'm weird about Florida States sometimes because I can't read the the names or numbers because I'm so fucking colorblind that it's just as like, we've established. I can't. Yeah, Gumby's green, so I just can't read the numbers. And as a colorblind human being, that that's rough. So those would be my picks and Oklahoma. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, and I I see what you mean with the problem with like a team like Notre Dame or even Penn State, and I don't necessarily dislike those uniforms. But I think they look so different because of how traditional they want them to be that it's right. almost like they've become dated in a sense where some people will be like, OK, I want the traditional uniform. Other people are like, hey, like, let's move on from this. So I think the biggest problem is the Notre Dame Yankee Stadium stadium well, those, uniforms. <laughs> yeah, those that's going to be the worst uniform you will see in college football this year. It is. And I'll be at that game. So I'll take a nice close up picture for stick to football for all you guys to just comment on the Instagram how terrible they actually are. Yeah, yeah, with their stupid pinstripes. Yeah. It's a nightmare. What we need more New York Yankees stuff in this world, right? Great. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. They, they should do like a Red Sox series. Like let BC play someone, Temple, I guess. They did the Shamrock series, but like, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just too much, man. It's, not it's unnecessary. Uh, on the NFL side of things, I don't know if there's a uniform I hate, like least favorite trying to think of one to like tie that back into the the nfl side of things i don't like the browns when they wear brown and orange like it looks like candy corn to me i don't like their new uniforms i like the ones they had before this where it was just simple yeah i like their whites a lot but i'm not a fan of them i'm not crazy about the chiefs uniforms the red i, I red. think they're just really boring yeah i the the browns i'm sorry and i know it like they're the browns but that color scheme just, it just it's doesn't, a little it doesn't, too brown. <laughs> it just doesn't work. I'm sorry. And like, <laughs> there's nothing else I could say. I think my favorite uniform outside of Texas is Alabama, though, just because it's like simple. It's been the same since 19. They have their names on their back. Right. Like, that's all you have to do to win. I love over. the number on the helmet. Do you know how easy that makes my job when your number's on your helmet? Yeah. I didn't like it for LSU, though. I don't know why they switched to that. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it was like one of those 100-year anniversary things, but I didn't I didn't care for that. Yeah. All right, next question, also from Patrick Chamberlain. This is apparently a Notre Dame show now. Watching Notre Dame versus Virginia Tech, there are two guys. Was curious about your thoughts on the wide receiver, Hazleton, for Virginia Tech, and Notre Dame DB, Julian Love. So I know with Love from Notre Dame, 
he is a, a guy, and maybe I shared this on the podcast a while back, that is getting a lot of a lot of love from oh, scouts. Nice. They do like him because he's six foot tall, about a buck ninety five. Um, he, he was on all the watch list, you know, the Nagurski, the Thorpe. He was a second team All American last year, so he has ball skills. He's a very good tackler, and he definitely has size. So he's number twenty seven if you're watching Notre Dame because it won't say his name on the back of his jersey. You got to know jersey numbers for them, but. He is definitely a player who, in a corner class where we've really seen Greedy Williams and then a bunch of other guys, he has a chance to, to rise up. Yeah, he's de- he's definitely been a guy on my radar. And you talk about Hazleton. Uh, he sat out last year. He was a red shirt from Ball State. So he's he's kind of a guy that I forgot about. But he had a very solid year when he was at Ball State. 50 catches, six or four touchdowns. And he's shown that he can actually come play at Virginia Tech. And now after the game that he just had, obviously the 12 catches, uh, that puts him on the radar. But it's still, it's one game so far. He hasn't done much the rest of the year. A couple hundred yard games, but I mean, it's William and Mary. It's Old Dominion. So they were throwing the ball around a lot. So he's on the radar, but he's not somebody that I've really taken a look at. And I mean, he's probably not coming out. I mean, I guess he could say he said he's a transfer, but... But most likely not a guy you would expect to come out. So someone that will be like, you try to remember their name, but not like, Hey, let's watch list this kid. All right. We got three more draft on draft questions that we're getting out of here from Patrick Chamberlain. When was the last time you guys remember a college football weekend as wild as this one? So I, I kind of cheated and looked at this one before. I don't even know if that's called cheating or preparation. I'm glad you did, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't have the exact answer. I don't know if I can remember like an exact weekend, but I remember the 2007 season having just some crazy weekends. This is the same year that Missouri was ranked number one for a yeah. little bit. Kansas was up cool. there. And it seemed like every week the number one team was getting knocked off. I think that was the same season. So that had to have had some crazy weekends. I don't think we can label this one like that crazy because number one, two, and three, and four are still the same. Like yeah. Oklahoma losing to Texas, I don't care what Texas is ranked. Like it can happen. We it's, saw it three years ago in a game where Texas wasn't ranked. Oklahoma was. So right. I'm with you. I don't, and I want to be honest, I watched one football game Saturday. We watched Texas, Oklahoma. And took our kids on like a little mini vacation because we're out of town so much now. It's like, oh, we got to try to get away while we can. So I watched one game to completion, and that was Texas-Oklahoma. Watched a little bit of that Auburn game. It caught some uh, of others. And that's even one that, like, I know that the numbers say it's a big upset, but it's, it's, not. it's really not. Like, it didn't surprise me that much. I know, like, LSU-Florida, too. We're getting into these conference games where these teams aren't that bad. We Mississippi State has been ranked in the teens before this year. They just happened to lose two in a row. I think they're a much better team than what their record was coming and into Saturday. And we all Saturday. thought LSU was overrated. Like, yeah, no one thought they were waiting this for good. It. Now, yeah, obviously, yeah, this, it kind of felt like it was coming, right? Because like, I don't want to shit on Burrow because he's actually been such a nice surprise for them in a sense, or at least some consistency, but they are limited at some point by him, I think. And there's other factors, too. Ja'Kai Polite went off. and uh, just He's nice. Cr- He's we're going to have a lot of conversations about him when we get not just closer to the draft, but when we do, you know, more stock ups and everything, this felt like it was coming for LSU. And I think the overall point when I look at this question for me is there's just going to be a lot of one loss teams this year. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, I think so, too. Other than Alabama, like this is going to be and I know people like what about the Iron Bowl? No, I'm good. No, Not with what Auburn's I've been. 
praising Auburn all year, and I'm off that wagon. Like, they just look like shit. They cannot protect their quarterback at all. Like, I told you how to win the game, and you couldn't do it. So I don't see (laughs) what the deal is. All right, speaking of LSU, Big P underscore 88. I love this question. I hope neither of you steal my answer. Do you guys think Les Miles will ever land a coaching job again? I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him take over Mark D'Antoni's job. He's just waiting for Harbaugh to get fired. Okay, I'm glad you said that. That's fine. He's a Michigan man. I think he's waiting for Lee Corso to retire. I think he goes to game day. And he that, would be perfect. You've said that to me before, and probably when he got fired from LSU. Like, he would be. If you're going to replace a crazy-ass coach, you do it with less money. <laughs> get a crazy-ass coach. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, he'll come man. out every Saturday for game day eating grass and, you know, drinking Dos Equis or whatever. Yeah, wearing a Florida Gators visor because he lost a bet. I love Les Miles. And not always the greatest coach in terms of wins and losses, but I, I could totally see him going the media route. I mean, he's well, any he kind of is, but he's 64, 65, yeah, 60. He's 64 years old. So, I mean, he's running out of time to, to get back in there and, and relaunch a program. Yeah. Or the fact that you do you want to at that age and some guys will just, you know, coach until the very last day. It's so much work. He's a master recruiter, but like you guys just said, just to piggyback off that, he's a big personality. And I think TV would be, a TV in that kind of role, especially, would be awesome for him. So nothing shocks me in the college football. World. I mean, we have Herm Ed- Herm Edwards yeah. back in football and in the college landscape running a program after years of TV. But I think Les Miles, it's it's time to go full in on the media route. Yeah, we need to get him on the podcast. He has a podcast, so we could do a you do mine, I'll do yours kind of thing. A little tradesies. Back scratching. Uh, last one from TE Cubs 2538. Hey, sorry, you guys lost. I uh, was, was pulling for you. Any chance you guys can see little Jordan Humphreys or Colin Johnson returning for their senior years at Texas, both wide receivers. That is uh, all you guys. Take it away. <laughs> I can like, I, they've both been doing very well this year. And we even talked about, you know, LJ Humphrey before the year as a guy that we hadn't really seen much of. Well, he's definitely coming on the scene this year, but I could, I could see them both coming back next year. This team is very bought into Tom Herman. That's what they did not have last year. And now they are bought in. So I could see a lot of these guys that are juniors coming back and saying, okay, we've had some success this year, whatever it is that they're going to do. But wanting to build on that for their senior year. There would, there's just something to be in that group, that recruiting group that gets Texas actually back on top. And I would say, I hope and pray that we see Tom Herman, who coached under Mac Brown, right? That's, that's where he got to start. I hope he can have some of that Mac Brown magic of, you know, Vince Young and Jamal Charles and Jermichael Finley were the, the first underclassmen to leave Texas under Mac Brown. That was his thing was guys come and they play for four years. You Roy do not Williams, Roy Williams, you don't go Benson, early. Ray right? Johnson. You stay for four years and we're building something. Leonard Davis, Mike Williams, all those great offensive linemen, all the great defenders, Michael Huff, the, the Griffins. You stay for four years and let's make something special. I hope that Tom Herman and his staff can they've proven themselves to be very good recruiters. They got Ed Oliver to go to Houston. Okay. They're good recruiters. I think the biggest, most important job they have as we get into November, December, as guys start to kind of make draft decisions is talk guys into staying. And I I think they did that last year. You know, we know. (laughs) And if not, (laughs) probably going to throw you under the bus anyway. Maybe don't leave. But, you know, P.J. Locke, Charles Amenehue, Chris, Chris Boyd, they all considered leaving last year and didn't. They decided, hey, let's come back. Maybe we can win the Big 12. Maybe we can do something special. 
I think with this offense, you can okay, guys, we got a chance. This is a young offensive line. You got a true, uh, he'll be a true sophomore running back next year. And Ingram who's going to be a stud. Ellinger is going to be back and, and only better. let we got a chance to maybe make a run at this thing. The NFL will always be there. I, I think that's, and I know that sounds selfish because I'm the guy who's always like, go make your money. Neither of them is going to be a top 10 pick. The NFL is going to be there next year. I, I think, I hope they're going to be back. I made a joke that I wasn't going to rank them. No, I think it's a good point, though. <laughs> like, you look at this Texas team in comparison to a lot of other teams, and it's not that there's like a core, like a trio of star talent that are juniors that you're like, oh, well, those guys are going to go run and get their money. The guys making big plays for them, and they could still leave if they want, aren't projected top 20, top 40 kind of picks where you're going to see them go, oh, I got to go get paid right now. They might just stay. They're getting a taste of real winning right now. Not the peaks and valleys that you guys have seen over the last couple of years. This is a legitimate streak where I know we make it a running joke about Texas being back. Texas has proven that they are very much for real right, real right now. And the bigger reason I believe in it is the style of football they play. I think matches up very good against West Virginia. They beat, they got the big one out of the way, right? Oklahoma is out of the way. I think West Virginia is lesser of a test than Oklahoma. And that's why I'm a believer in this Texas core and what Tom Herman is finally, what you're seeing is the real Tom Herman, not last year, leftover players, this year, his guys and more. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's uh, it's nerving, nerve wracking as hell. And it is an old defense. So that, that will be the test for them is you're getting the recruits to turn that over. But it's Texas. You should be able to get the recruits to turn that over. So, all right, that's our show. As a reminder, you want to help out with the charity, buy some coats for some kids, hit me up on Venmo at NFL Draft Scout. And please come see us in Baton Rouge. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be six football merchandise, autographs from Mello and Connor. You can meet Whiskey Dan, our killer producer. Our boss, Jesse, will be there probably with her dog. You can pet him if you want. I don't oh, know if the that's official true. pup of STF. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. We hope to see you all down there. Uh, again, it's at the Patrick F. Taylor uh, area is where we'll be tailgating. Uh, and we'll, we'll send out a map so you can find us. For Connor and Mello, I'm Matt. We'll talk to you guys Wednesday morning. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast.